All right, what is going on, guys? It is time for another episode of the Chasing Waypoints podcast, and we're back from vacation, but not really. I don't think this was definitely not vacation. Uh, definitely a lot going on. Switch schedules at the nine to five, and so it's a little tough getting back into the swing of things. Uh, episodes are supposed to air 10 a.m. on Sundays. Well, it is uh, Sunday, and it's more like 6.05 p.m., but anyway, we're back with another episode of the Chasing Waypoints podcast, and it is time for episode number 93. That is right. Just seven more episodes before we hit the 100. We hit the triple digits. I wonder what that's going to sound like. Should we preview it? Do we want to do a preview? Hey, what's going on, guys? It is time for the Chasing Waypoints podcast, episode number 100. That's right. We made it 100. Yeah, I think that's going to sound pretty good. We'll see. Maybe I'll have to change it up, change the music or something like that. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But anyway, uh, this podcast will be brought to you by an enormous amount of caffeine because I have been up since 3.30 in the morning. And uh, yeah. So anyway, what's going on, guys? We're, we're counting it down. We're almost there. And that's what this episode is going to be about. We're talking Dakar 2023. This is going to be the preview show for that. Well, with as, as much as I can, because I finally got around to watching the Dakar preview uh, last night with uh, Dave Costera and those guys uh, talking a little bit. It was really cool to see. I had a bunch of different um, bunch of different teams, uh, different people from those teams representing them, uh, including uh, Stefan Petterhansel, uh, Sebastian Loeb, one of my favorites. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, did, did we have El Matador? Carlos Sainz, I think, was on there as well. I don't know. They, they, they mixed it up with a bunch of different people, and it was really, really cool to see. And I know they had some guys there from Audi Sport. So, anyway, let's get right to the episode. Turn the party down here. And let's talk a little bit about the 2023 Dakar. So, definitely seeing a ramp up in social media posts. If you haven't already, you should be following Mason Klein and doing uh, doing that premium count stuff, getting some of that behind-the-scenes action. So everybody was up, and by everybody, I mean Skylar House and Mason Klein were out at Fox Raceway this past week for the Kurt Caselli uh, ride out there, and that was pretty cool. I got to see some, uh, some epic shots. I believe Toby Price was there as well. Uh, but definitely got to see some epic shots of those guys flying these rally bikes around and uh, and having a ball out there, which was really, really cool to see. Uh, I did get to watch the uh, Quinn Cody uh, bike giveaway that they gave away. That thing was badass, that Baja bike that they specced out. Uh, the word on the street was it was about a $30,000 race bike that they basically built up. Cody was supposed to ride it uh, for the Baja 1000 uh, or one of the Baja races, but didn't end up going down. So. Uh, but that ultimately was the bike that they ended up giving away, and that thing was just badass. So uh, it was really, really cool. Somebody out of Colorado won that one, so I was excited to see that. And I'm, I'm actually going to step away from the microphone really quick because in all my preparation, I exactly left my uh, notepad exactly six feet, which I cannot reach. So hang tight. In case you're wondering what that crash was, that was the uh, Xbox controller uh, that I just so uh, dropped on the ground. So, okay, in my best effort to, uh, since I can't afford the Dakar and and nor do I have the talents of navigation uh, that it would take to even competitively finish the 11 kilometer um, liaison or liaison, the 11 kilometer prologue that they're doing this year. Uh, I have decided to opt for something a little bit different and went with the uh, Dakar rally game uh, just to check it out. You know, I've heard a lot of good stuff about it and and more so that, you know, the navigation and uh, how to navigate and the notes and the cap headings and the stuff like that. So uh, is it the real thing? Absolutely not. But it is a video game and it does kind of uh, make sense. And I'll, I'll do a review and I'll talk a little bit more about that. But um, I honestly, my initial impression, the first uh, few stages that I've ran uh pretty cool you know i think it was uh i think it was a smart buy and it's just something to kind of get your brain used to the idea of like okay i'm riding i'm enjoying this and then all of a sudden i'm like blew right by the note and i get confused and i get lost and so uh it's very interesting uh so far and that's only just a few minutes of playing so i've not gone into the whole like coach me mode i'm trying to just do it you know like 100 percent no uh no training stuff, no none of that, just actually trying to apply the stuff that I do know, uh, the limited amount of stuff I do know, because uh, a lot of the listeners out there, you guys know way more than me on this stuff, because uh, you've actually been out and done it a lot more, but 
Uh, I enjoy mingling rubbing elbows and, and doing all that stuff and, and more stages coming soon. Got a lot of lot of stuff happening. Uh, trying to get a pretty big announcement going for episode 100. Uh, we will see how that pans out. I've actually got to do some follow up calls this week on that. Uh, but I'm absolutely looking forward to that. But anyway, all right. Back to the Dakar, because that's what we are initially talking about. So if you guys checked out the preview show already, I believe, I believe it was about 20, 30 minutes long, something like that. It was pretty cool. You got to see a lot about uh, a lot about this year's course. Uh, David Castera, of course, talking about the, what they designed and what they did. And I think the big thing this year, uh, what they talked a lot about uh, in this was this whole journey into the empty quarter. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing what that is going to shape up as I will say, though, the empty quarter does have uh, a when you think of Dakar and vast dunes and just out in the middle of nowhere, that is the empty quarter. So uh, I'll look up some details on it and, and share that with you guys here in a little bit. But they've got their work cut out for them this year. So uh, a total of uh, 14 stages plus the prologue. So really, it's 15 stages. The prologue, remember, guys, uh, for those of you playing the home game, the prologue is basically like qualifying. So you're going to go out, you're going to shake the bike down, you're going to get your navigation stuff going. And the idea behind that is, is that helps set the starting order for stage number one. Previous years, they had done stage 1A, stage 1B, and in the end, it really just added to the confusion. This time, they're just going with prologue. So the prologue, remember, is qualifying. So that is just getting people, uh, getting everybody situated into some kind of a starting order for the next day. Generally does not count towards the the total time for the stage. It's not really uh, counted towards your overall time. The clock starts at zero for stage one. Uh, but it does give you an idea of how they're going to uh, how they're going to get started. The interesting thing is, is that in some of the other rallies leading up to the Dakar, uh, some of the organizations have actually played with the prologue a little bit and working on that penalty in order to not get or in order to avoid that swing starting early on in the stages. So, you know, people sandbagging the prologue to get a better or more favorable position uh, on stage one. So. We're going to see if they're going to try and kind of dock that and, and kind of chop it off at the knees or, or however you want to say it, you know, um, beat them to the punch. However, you know, whatever, insert your favorite saying there. But the end result is uh, we'll, we'll see what they end up doing with that. Um, so, all right. So I got my printout. I got all the stages uh, to give you guys a, just a quick rundown and we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about it. But this there this year's Dakar, including the prologue stage is looking like 4,706 kilometers uh, for those of us on uh, this time. Or, or what is this? Uh, I follow this guy called Fat Electrician on uh, on TikTok. He's got some pretty funny stuff about military stuff. But in freedom fractions, as he refers to them, uh, in, in in the U.S. system, right? Not on the metric system. So 4,706 4, kilometers is the total distance uh, or 2,977, of course, the pen cut out there 2977 uh kilometer or miles is what they're going to be racing so just shy of 3000 race miles but wait there's more uh so not only that but you also have the the commuting or what we call the liaison so for those playing the home game remember liaisons liaison is the commute from the bivouac your campsite or your pits to the start of the stage And then it is from the finish of the stage back to camp or back to the bivouac. And so they do this in general. It's it's just a uh, because it's maybe a a better place to start, a better place to finish. And then that way uh, or or it could be fuel logistics. There could be other things involved for that. And so you don't necessarily take off right from the uh, right from the bivouac or race right up to the bivouac. You know, there's usually something in there and sometimes it's front loaded. So you could have a 300 kilometer commute, uh, or 300 kilometer liaison. And then on the back end, it's like two kilometers from the finish line to the bivouac. So it kind of gets split up differently. Uh, but to give you guys a, a sense of that and what it is. Um, so by the end of this, they will have traveled a total of 8,549 kilometers total. That includes racing and liaisons or roughly about 5,300 miles. So that's 5,300 miles across 15 days. So you're averaging about, what is that? About 300 ish miles or so, uh, per day. 
doesn't sound like it's uh, a lot. And some of the adventure bike riders that are li- maybe listening to this thinking, man, eh, you know, 300 miles a day is not necessarily too bad. Uh, but 300 miles in one day and then back it up with two days and then three days and then four days. These guys are going to be doing this on an for 15 days, basically, is what they got to do. Yeah, some of the days are shorter and some of the days are longer. But wait, there's even more. Then you go into the dunes and you go into this stuff. So on an adventure bike, you know, some graded roads, some highway, you know, <laughs> you know, oh, it's fairly easy, right? Not too bad. Well, now imagine having to race through the Saudi Arabian desert uh, or even getting into. And, and this is funny because I'll get to this here in a minute uh, about one of the stages in particular for the uh, for the 2023 Dakar is actually fairly short. But there's a reason why it's fairly short, and we'll talk about that in a sec. So anyway, all right. So 15 stages starting on the 31st with the prologue, January 1. January 1st is going to be stage one. So we're going to be looking forward to that. It is, it, it's definitely the countdown. It is coming up fairly fast. But let's talk a little bit about what these stages are this year. So uh, first stage or your, your uh, should I say, prologue. The prologue is going to be from the bivouac of c camp and it's just going to be a quick loop it's 11 kilometers long 11 kilometers is nothing that is 6.8 miles of racing so in those 6.8 miles you're going to show your navigation chops and kind of figure out where you want to get started so that's going to be an interesting thing uh to see uh for this event you know again and and i mean 6.8 kilometers and you still got you know close to 3,000 or 6.8 miles you still going to have uh, 2,970 miles to race. So, eh, but you know, you kind of want to start off on the right foot. So that's the whole, that's the whole side of it on there. Um, so the, the next stage is going to be a loop stage on Sunday, the first, uh, from C camp to C camp. And that is going to be 368 kilometers long or 228 miles for a total of 603 kilometers so that remember is going to be the stage the 368 kilometers plus the 600 or plus the liaison in that 603 kilometers so what that breaks down to is 228 miles of racing with 145 miles of commute is what that is going to break down to so fairly long day but right up to it 228 miles right there day one uh and from from the stage uh, or from the show, if you guys uh, saw it, you would have heard um, David Castera talking about it, uh, that the first stage was just going to be kind of an easy going, getting the legs, uh, going to see some, you know, see the sights, that kind of thing, uh, and and have some fun with it. But relatively easy navigation, nothing too bad. Uh, and then from there, they're going to jump into stage two, which is going to be from Sea Camp to Aluo. And that is uh, stage number two. That is 267 miles or, or in uh, kilometer, 431 kilometers of racing. 267 miles is what that means. And then a total stage or a total day of 590 kilometers. Uh, they're going to have about a 99-mile commute. Uh, remember on that liaison, those 99 miles could be broken up before or after the stage. Just depends on where they finish. Uh, again, Casera talking about uh, stage two being almost no st- no sand stony narrow kind of passes and stuff like that so the first thing i hear when i hear that is is that's where uh most of the guys from from the u.s side of it uh will have a chance to put some time uh on some of the guys that are not as versed in the rough rocky stuff uh so namely you know thinking about you know skyler house thinking about uh mason klein uh ricky brabeck all of these guys that are that are used to racing. you know you got the american rally originals all of those guys are used to racing over here on the baja side of it uh so they are used to a more uh rockier difficult terrain desert open desert kind of thing with minimal sand so uh and when we talk sand here uh on this side of the pond it's different than the sand that they're talking about here in saudi arabia so uh, we'll, we'll see how that breaks down. But again, stage two, nothing there. But I think that's where we're going to see some of our guys uh, jump up a little bit there. Um, oh, almost forgotten. This was actually going to if you guys have ever seen Jacob Argybright, any of his videos, if you guys follow him, if you've seen any of his videos racing some of the hair and hound stuff like that, that is like his bread and butter. I mean, he is so proficient at riding really, really fast and narrow stuff and, and rocky and just chopped up. Uh, that I think that that stage stage two right away is going to suit him really well. So I'll be, I'll be interesting to see. I would be interested to see how that uh, how that shakes out. 
uh, for him because, I mean, it is, it's very, very difficult uh, to ride quickly in those kind of terrains and to be able to do it uh, with the, the ease that he does. I mean, I think that's, uh, that is definitely going to suit his, uh, his riding style. All right, stage number two, that was stage two. Uh, then we're going to do stage three, which is Aluel to Hail. Uh, that is stage three is 447 kilometers. And then that's 277 miles of racing. Uh, the total day is going to be 669 kilometers, uh, which means they're going to do about 137 mile commute uh, back and forth. Now, interesting, and I didn't mention this, but part of that is going to be an assistance route, meaning that they're going to have the ability to um, or no, the assistance route is where they move from one bivouac to the other. So there's going to be some movement going on there for those guys. Uh, but from here, let's see, we go back. Uh, all right. So 227, 277 miles of racing, 137 miles of commuting. That is going to be a loop there. Dave from David Castera, uh, challenging navigation, and they're going to see a lot of average cap. So uh cap now meaning other things if you check urban dictionary on our latest update of the term cap uh, is no longer mean just a hat but anyway uh okay so what we're talking about here uh more challenging navigation and average cap so average cap is basically saying um let's see if you think about it when you when you kind of look off into the distance and you go it's kind of over there and you're trying to tell somebody kind of over there and it's kind of like, okay, we'll just head for that hill. Well, average cap is kind of the same thing. So it may be that, okay, well, uh, you're going to be on a cap heading of 267 degrees, right? So 267, you're facing 267, but the trail that you're on goes from 267 to 310 to 250 to 48 or 48, uh, 320. It is kind of swapping back and forth. And the idea is, is that you got to have an average cap rating of, you know, 267 or whatever, you know, whatever your cap was uh, or whatever the roadbook calls out as your average cap. So that's basically what you're hearing. You're just going to kind of average in that direction. Well, averaging in that direction means kind of finding your way. So you could be on the trail that's to the left. You could be on the trail that's to the right of the trail that they wanted you to be on or the trail that they were thinking of. Um, so you have to really watch out for that kind of stuff because it could open up the way or it could lead to future navigation mistakes, right? Maybe not right then and there, but you're going to have issues further down the road. So there's a few different versions of it. And, and from the show and what Castero was talking about, um, that that was one of the things that they wanted trickier navigation, harder navigation, harder navigation. So I don't know. I know that they've been on a mission to slow down the pace of the Dakar, slow down the top riders. Uh, and I think that they're, they're still working on doing that via the the notes and, and making the navigation more tricky. So we'll see how that pans out for them. I think that it, we may see some slower speeds, especially with the amount of sand that they're going to be facing this year's uh, for this year's event. So that was stage three. Stage four uh, is going to be a loop stage. So a few loop stages this year. Uh, stage four going to be 425 kilometers of racing or 263 miles total is going to be 573 kilometers. Uh, so they're going to have 263 miles of racing and 91 miles of commuting, 91 miles of liaison, uh, for that stage. And it is going to be a loop stage around Heil. Um, so we should see, let's see stage notes from Castera, Sandy mountains, big Sandy mountains, the first 100 K and then mid stage, it goes into open desert, uh, and then opening up into that more faster stuff. So, uh, the guys that are proficient in sand, they're going to enjoy the first part of the stage. The guys that are fast out in open desert, uh, they're going to enjoy the second half of the stage. So I think that that is going to make an interesting, interesting mix. You know, I'm, I'm curious to see, because again, we're talking, there's going to be more sand, but at the same time, it's already in the first couple of stages, the first few stages, we've had some stuff that will help, um, or not help, but favors, some of the American riders. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that. All right. Uh, let's see here. And now we're stage five. Stage five is another loop uh, around Heil. Uh, it's going to be 375 kilometers total, 232 miles of racing. Uh, no, 375 for the stage, 375 kilometers for the stage, 232 miles of racing, 646 kilometers total, 168 miles of those kilometers are going to be the 
the commuting back and forth. So still a big day, still a lot of miles to go. And as you guys can see, we've not done a stage other than the prologue that has been less than uh, 250 ish miles, except for, uh, except for today, 232, 232 miles. So a little bit of a break there, but averaging already 250 at least. Okay. Stage five, the notes from the show. I kept it simple sand with an exclamation point. So it sounds like this is the day where everybody that's really, really good in sand is going to have a chance to shine. Uh, and the ones that aren't so good by the end of the stage are probably going to be a lot better. So We'll see how that one shakes out. I mean, it is a fairly long stage. Uh, once they hit sandy stuff like that, and it varies from dunes to different like river bottoms, things like that. Um, I think that it's going to, it may favor our guys, you know, a little bit more might favor the Americans a little bit more, but you know, we'll see the dunes. The dunes are kind of the equalizer there. So, all right, we go into stage six. Now, stage six is where we're going to see some of the trickery. They're going to go from Ayel to Al-Duwadadi, al Al-Duwadimi. Uh, I'm trying, okay? I'm, I'm not versed in pronouncing these names. I think I should have probably looked them all up, but all right. And so that is for Friday. Stage number six, 466 kilometers, total 288 miles of racing, uh, 877 kilometers including the liaison, which is going to be uh, going to add 254 miles to the day, right? So 288 miles of racing, 254 miles of commuting. Uh, the crews, the assistance crews are going to have to travel about 526 kilometers. Uh, if you guys want to do the quick math on that, it is 0. 0.62. So 62 miles per hundred kilometers is the, the way to break that down. Uh, so for that one, let's see, that is stage number six. Stage six, 850 kilometers total is what they were talking about in the show. It was a little bit less than that. So, uh, And for this one, they're going to be starting off on the plateau side of it. So they're talking about being up top, up high, some of the raw, rough stuff. And then they're going to turn it back right back around and head back into the dunes. Now, I mentioned just a second ago, this is where the trickery begins. This is what they were talking about, having two distinct routes for the competitors. So this is where we were talking uh, previous shows, talking about how, you know, that that big advantage that you get by starting later on in the pack. Well, this is the first stage, you know, and they're really the only stage they talked about it. But stage six already, I'm, I'm sure it was strategically done to be this early on in the event that they're going to break up the pack and they're going to do two routes down the same area. And this is where we're going to see uh, where we're going to see some of that Dakar swing kind of like if the swing had already started, this is where they're going to try and stop it. And so what we're talking about that when we're talking about the Dakar swing, if you guys remember from the coverage last year is basically what happens is, is that the teams, the top teams, the top riders will start to try and figure out you know, okay, if I sandbag this stage, I'm not as strong on this next stage. So I don't want to be the guy that leads out. I want to be the guy that goes behind, you know? So in some cases that is good. In some cases that is bad. You know, if you go into dunes, a lot of times the dunes, uh, will be marked up and you'll have a better, uh, easier time, but then you break out of the dunes and you get into the rough and into the, the Rocky two track stuff and two bikes, three, four bikes in front of you, you don't really notice if the tracks are really that marked up, especially if it's two track, if it's something where, you know, stay on main path, where it is a commuted road or a road that gets a lot of traffic, it gets a little bit more difficult to see the tracks. So the riders up front don't lose as much time. But if you're in virgin sand dunes and you're the guy up front, you're basically making the drawing the line for everybody. So it makes it really hard to get away from the field. And so some of these guys or a lot of these guys know that and they try and play to their advantage by sandbagging a little bit just to try and get a better or a more favorable starting position for the next day. And remember, in rally, it's the other way around. You want to be towards the back of the pack because the advantage is back there. The advantage, there really isn't necessarily an advantage to starting up front unless you're very proficient at navigating or you know that that stage you're going to be able to bury your tracks and not leave, you know, leave traces, right? If you're, if you're starting in hard pack rocky stuff, it's a little bit harder for people to pick out the lines. So you got to watch out for that kind of thing. Uh, so that is where they're going to try and break it up on stage six by doing those two routes. So uh, stage seven, let's see what that breaks down into. Uh, stage seven uh, is going to be another lap round Al Duadimi uh, with 473 kilometers of that racing, which is 293 miles, 641 kilometers total for the day, which is going to attack on another 104 miles of commuting to that 293 race miles. So 
that is the stage for there. That is on Saturday, uh, Saturday the 7th. Uh, and on that one, uh, Costera mentioned stage seven was going to be an all-terrain type deal. So you're going to have everything, sand, rock, rough, all of it, open desert, uh, going in back and forth um, into these different sections, which is interesting. And, and I should have brought it up a, a minute ago, but um, Sebastian Lowe was talking about something interesting that um, this year you would have an idea like on the stages, there would be neutralizations where some of the top teams were using those neutralizations to kind of get an idea uh, from their team and where they needed to be. Uh, in that. So remember, a neutralization is basically a pause in the stage. And what happens is, is that in during that time, depending, you can have communications, you can talk, there's there's things that can go on in those neutralizations, but basically it's break time. Um, depending on the stage, the logistics, the layout and how it works, there's those are going to be a little bit different. But in this case, uh, one of the things that they were talking about is that the lack of having neutralizations now leaves that lack of communication. So it seemed like it was something that it was a little bit concerned about. But once again, I think it's another way that they're trying to break up this Dakar swing by not allowing teams to share information that could be like, OK, well, you know what? I, I, I better, you know, I'm going to leave. Uh, I'm going to happen to leave a few minutes late from this gas stop, you know. Because I don't want to be up front because if I'm up front, you know, that's maybe not going to be, uh, you know, not going to be favorable. So I think that that is definitely a, an interesting topic and an interesting thing. And we'll see how it plays out, because I think that this year's Dakar with the things that they've implemented, I think we're going to have uh, a less of a swing and a more uh, a more challenging day for everybody. So, again, that was uh, the lap around Oldimi. Uh, that is stage number seven. Stage number eight, we are going from Al-Duadimi to Riyadh. So that is going to be 407 kilometers of racing uh, or selective stage, special stage, however you want to call it. So 407 kilometers or 252 miles of racing. And then we're going to add another 195 miles to round out the day of commuting uh, that for a grand total of 722 kilometers uh, for the team. So that is going to be another assistance route. So they're going to travel 368 kilometers. So the teams will have to move uh, to Riyadh for that bivouac. And that is on stage eight. And the important part about stage eight it is the day before the rest day. So a little bit of a, of, of a goodbye with a still a long stage or a longer day, uh, 722 kilometers there total. Um, and then they go into Monday. That's on Sunday. So Monday, January 9th, that is the rest day in Riyadh. So rest day, basically that's, uh, okay, we're going to, we're going to give you guys the day off from racing. Why? Because by that time they would have ran 3,403 kilometers of racing or roughly about 2,109 2, miles of racing. So for those of you guys on this side that are familiar with the Baja Peninsula, that's basically down and pretty much all the way back uh, in the course of uh, eight days. So that is four days down, four days back. Uh, and, and some of the guys that listen to you that, that run the tours are go, yeah, four days, doable. Yeah, you know, yeah. But except in here, you've got some really gnarly sand dune days mixed in and a lot of different terrain. Uh, on that as well. But then not only that, but you're literally doing it every single day. Uh, so total what that looks like so far, just to get to the bivouac, just to get to the rest day, uh, competitors would have done 5,332 kilometers total, totaling 3,305 miles. So that is, uh, down and back on the peninsula and then turn right back around and head down once again. And that will be in eight days. It's like doing the Baja Peninsula three times. That is definitely a challenge. So much like the Baja Peninsula, you're going to have some off-road stuff. You're going to have some on-road stuff. And this is going to be a long day. So uh, I'm not as familiar with it over here on the uh, inland side or state side. But I can tell you the peninsula is roughly about uh, 1,200 miles, I believe. It's about 1,100, somewhere in there, uh, down and back so, or just down. So definitely going to be a challenge a lot of work just to get to the rest day that is that is pretty deep into it that was a comment that i did hear uh from one of the teams that this year that it was going to be a little bit longer and you're going to have to work a little bit harder uh to get to the rest day so that will be i'm sure much welcomed uh but then right back around they're going to get into stage nine on tuesday the 10th uh that is going to be from Riyadh to hardar which is stage number nine 439 kilometers 
of racing, and that is 272 miles. Then we're going to add another 168 miles of commuting to that or liaison for a grand total of 710 kilometers for the day. Uh, and again, that is stage nine. So let's see. No notes on stage nine, which means it's just par for the course. Uh, they did talk about stage eight, uh, that all Duadimi around into Riyadh. Uh, they were talking about more sandy canyons and more of a Morocco-like terrain. So I know Jacob Argybright has been and done a rally over in Morocco. He did it on one of the uh, rally bikes, one of the RFR bikes. So this might suit him a little better uh, as well. But again, I mean, this is all open desert. All of these guys are versed now at this point. They've done the sand dunes. They've done the rough. They've done the rocky. They've done all of these things. Um, so I think that it is very, uh, very much their game. I don't think... With the exception of the sand dunes, which I'm not 100% on how everybody's been been really getting ready for the sand dunes, um, I think that everybody's going to be the entire U.S. contingent headed over there. Uh, should be doing pretty good because I think that they've they've broken up the terrain, at least it seems like, to, to be a little bit more diverse. Uh, but that kind of comes to a screeching halt as they get further down because after that they get into stage nine. Uh, then they get into, let's see, nine, then they go stage 10. Uh, let me see here. Tuesday, that is Tuesday. The 10th is stage number nine. And then they go into Wednesday for stage number 10. Stage number 10 is going to be a long day. So they've got, uh, really quick. They're going to have a three, to do 3 a.m. start because of the length of the liaison. So this sounds like the liaison is front-loaded for this one. Um, what they're doing is 114 kilometers or 70 miles of racing, and then they're going to add 315 miles of commuting on that. So for a grand total of 623 kilometers for the day. Uh, assistance route, 507 kilometers for those guys, so they're going to be on the move right there. Uh, 6.5, they're going to be traveling about 300 miles so if you're in san diego that's like headed to vegas for the day uh then let's see here so 114 so yeah really short and from castera when he said that they were going to do a 3 a.m start on stage 10 uh that's that to me tells me that that liaison is definitely front loaded and they're going to have to commute a very long way before they get to that short 70 mile stage uh, again and that is from Har- harada to shaba shaba I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, That is, again, for stage number 10. So that was the big news there is that that really early start. So that is going to be a long day for these guys. Probably going to be cold in the morning. That's where we're going to see all these guys in the snowsuits and maybe some uh, heated gear. Uh, Let's see. All right. Here we go. This is the fun one. This is the one that was going to be challenging. So we knew that uh, down in there, and I mentioned it earlier, that there was going to be some shorter stages in the uh, in the event. And that was one of them for stage 10, but stage 11 Shabbat to the empty quarter marathon stage, 275 kilometers of racing, 170 miles is what that is. Uh, then they're going to add on another 93 miles of commute, uh, for a grand total of 426 kilometers. Now this is a marathon stage. So with that being a marathon stage, uh, for those of you playing the home game, a marathon stage is very simple. So we have, uh, five people, six people headed to the Dakar uh, that are going to be racing under the Malamoto banner. Well, five, right? We have the American Rally Originals. Let's talk about them, right? David Pearson, Jim Pearson. Uh, you have Kyle McCoy, and then you have uh, Mo Hart, and then why am I um, why am I missing somebody? Jim, Dave, Mo, Kyle. That's four. Why am I missing number five? Where, who's, why was number five? Paul Neff. How could I forget Paul Neff? The writing, the writing coach. He's like, that's an interesting dynamic on that team. Honestly, you have a writing coach, you got a mechanic, you got a guy that's done a shit ton of endurance stuff, uh, and knows and knows like is the walking history book of the Dakar. Mohar who knows navigation and does not know how to give up, uh, which is awesome. I mean, it, it's like you've got a really interesting dynamic uh, working working all together on this. And so I'm really interested to see how this is going to go for them. But everybody in the event is going to all of a sudden be a Malamoto team, like what these guys are doing. So the Malamoto category or the originals by Motul uh, is very, very simple. It is basically you are your own mechanic, masseuse, uh, chef, uh, secretary. 
everything you want to call it, everything gets done by you as a Malamoto. So it's like you going to the track, right? On your own, not taking a pit crew, not taking it. It's very, very simple, except for the fact that you're not just turning laps. You're covering thousands of kilometers, you know, over the course of 15 days. So it's very, very difficult. But on marathon stages, and that kind of is like a, a nod or a tip of the hat to the previous years and or the the original of how this event got started where basically everybody was Malamoto and that was just taking parts, you know, taking everything, you know, you had a very limited amount of things that you could take uh, and and you're riding off into these far places. So now what that looks like is basically they pick a spot and they say, okay, you're going to race to this spot and you're going to stay there sequestered and then you're going to turn around and race back and they have limited, you know, tires, not allowed to run. Uh, you got to basically... You run what you brung. That's all you get, right? And whatever you get to pack in on the bike uh, or your camping gear. But usually that's really only what you can carry on the bike as far as mechanical stuff. They don't allow a lot of mechanical parts to go uh, down to the down into the marathon stages. So what's interesting about this, though, is that the marathon stage goes into the empty quarter. Now, the big deal about the empty quarter is sand and lots of it and very, very remote. So big big dunes lots of sugar sand a lot of area like very remote and desolate stuff so i think that this is going to be a very challenging marathon stage for a lot of the people uh in in this rally even even the veteran guys the guys that have ran this forever and it's like if you look up pictures of the empty quarter okay first just imagine a vast desolate landscape of sand and what you think of when you see or when what you think of when they tell you, oh, it's sand dunes. It's like that. And it's just very arid, desolate, you know, out in the middle of nowhere. Um, according to, and the internet lever lies, Wikipedia. We're going to source Wikipedia. Even though you can't do that in college, we're going to trust it for this one. Uh, so we're looking at roughly 650,000 kilometers squared uh, of sand and dunes. 250,000, almost 251,000 square miles of just desolate air dunes. Uh, that is the, uh, that is the empty quarter as they call it. So roughly it's a thousand kilometers, 620 miles across, uh, and 500, 500 kilometers or 310 miles in width. Uh, so doesn't seem very wide, doesn't seem very long, but all put together, there's a lot of sand dunes to be able to na navigate in there. Now, something very interesting uh, that they did they did bring up in the show or what we were watching in the preview show is, you know, them going into the empty quarter and planning this stuff out and getting all of this uh, reconnaissance done. And, and it was very, very interesting to see. And, and they alluded to them having some trouble having to leave a car behind because, you know, some mechanical issues and things like that. So I'm very curious to see, you know, what it you know what it's going to look like for racers and once they get in there uh again knowing that you know what the sound or the way that the sand uh can change with winds um and tracks being laid down you know how much of a, of a advantage will it be to start a little bit further back you know going in to the marathon stage you know once you get to the midway or you know once you arrive on day one of the marathon stage you know is there going to be any sandbagging or anything like that coming in to get a more favorable position going out. Uh, there's a lot there. So uh, from the Visit Abu Dhabi uh, website, just some interesting facts about the empty quarter. Covers around 250,000 square miles. We know about that. Uh, let's see. Then from there, occupies more than one-fourth of Saudi Arabia's total area. Uh, one of the driest regions in the world. Uh, and then around 6,000 to 2,000 years ago, shallow lakes could be found here. So there was some water in there, but it's long gone um, for by a few years, you know, at least 2,000 years that it's been gone. Uh, let's see here. And then in 1931, Britt Bertram Thomas became the first Western explorer to cross the Rub, Rub al-Kai. In 59 days, venturing across 1,300 kilometers. So in 59 days, wandered across this thing. That's crazy. So, and if you visit the Abu Dhabi.ae website and uh, where they talk about the empty quarter, uh, they've got some really cool uh, resorts somewhere on the edge of this thing. But wow. Okay. So this is pretty cool. 
Okay, so anyway, back to it. Um, so yeah, so they're going to be in the empty quarter for basically two days. They kind of come out on the marathon stage on the way back out. This is what we're talking about, right? Really short stage, 185 kilometers for stage number 12 uh, or 114 miles of racing. 117 miles will get added onto that for the liaison or the commute. Uh, so for a total of 375 kilometers of the day. So with the empty quarter uh, headed back to Sheba, that is going to be the second part of the marathon stage, 114 miles. And they were talking about very specifically about a 40 to 60 kilometer per hour average um, which is going to be interesting for them. Uh, that is a slow, slow day. So those 114 miles are going to be very hard fought for. Um, the one thing that was mentioned and I think was interesting about them talk, they were talking about doing the marathon stage, uh, in the sand and having so much sand involved in the marathon stage is tire management. So in years past, we've saw it, right? Toby, Toby price doing the Bush mechanic thing with a ripped tire, you know, having to zip tie duct tape and everything else he could find to, to get this thing to hold onto the bike. We're not going to see that as much, you know, we're going to see more, uh, if anything, you know, maybe we're going to see the melted mooses, that kind of stuff from maybe from some heat. Um, but I don't know that they're going to be generating that much heat anyway, even in the sand. So I think there's going to be inter- interesting side of, uh, interesting side of this for sure. Uh, with tire management not being a thing. So that means that coming back out as soon as it opens up where they can get traction, everybody's going to have a crisp tire to be able to work on it. So uh, roached anything else? Uh, You know, I don't know. I'm thinking uh, maintenance is going to be important going in, making sure that that thing, your your air filter and everything is ready for that amount of sand, Um, you know, and uh, chains and anything else that you can think of, I think is going to be the big deal. Um, That's that's an interesting one. I got to I'm going to reach out to that. I'm, I'm, I'm interested now in, in this chain thing. You know, how often do they, uh, do they change the chain, uh, on a Dakar bike? You know, is it going out with fresh chain and sprockets every two days or, or, you know, uh, what, what does that look like? Uh, let's see here. I am going to, uh, let me see. I'm going to reach out really quick and see if we can get a response from him. I know he's super busy. Uh, let's see here. Do, 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 do. And sorry, we're doing this like totally doing this live. How often? The chain and sprockets at the Dakar. interesting so i'll tell you guys who i reached out to uh in regards to that but anyway so yeah so the idea is like i'm I'm curious you know what what are the things like there's probably like these little maintenance things that are like no the bike does not leave unless this this and this happens uh, before and i'm imagining like there's no way that a bike is leaving a bivouac without a fresh filter in it you know so you know that um a lot of them you get to see how like how much of the bike they take apart and all that between the stages so i'm definitely I'm definitely curious about that. That's one that you don't really talk about a lot. Um, okay, so that was the empty quarter marathon. Uh, to Shibai, that's stage number 12. Again, short day there, 114 miles of racing with another 117 miles of commuting. Uh, and then, and then, one of the last stages. So Saturday, they're going to go from Shibai to Al-Hof, Al-Hofu. Uh, for stage number 13, 154 kilometers or 95 miles of racing, and then a gnarly 319 mile commute or liaison. So 95 miles of racing, then they're going to add on another 319 miles of liaison or commuting to the bivouac or from the bivouac to the start line for a grand total of 669 kilometers uh, for the day. The assistance route, so they're going to have to travel. Those guys are going to have to travel, too. They're going to be doing 552 kilometers, uh, roughly five times six, another 300 and some odd miles uh, of transportation for that one. So that was on uh, stage 13, stage of thing, 13, not really just kind of an average Dakar stage. Uh, did not really hear anything from Costera that was like, oh, you know, that is gnarly. Uh, let's see here. All right. And then to finish it all up is going to be the final stage of the 2023 Dakar is going to be on January 15th, Sunday. Uh, that is Al-Hufuf to Daman. Uh, that is for stage number 14, 
136 kilometers of racing or roughly 84 miles. And then they're going to add on another 172 miles to commute to the actual uh, bivouac or finish. Uh, um, Excuse me. I said that wrong. That actually should be. They're going to add on another 172 miles of commuting. So remember, as we talked about previously, you don't know if it's at the beginning or at the end of the stage. We'll find out the day of. Uh, That's where I'm going to be bringing you guys the the stage summaries and all that. I'm going to be. My goal is to do it the same way I did last year, which is basically just give a quick stage rundown. Uh, I will be working and talking with the guys from the American Rally Originals. Uh, So I'll be sharing some of their progress updates and stuff like that as well on the episode. So if you guys are not already subscribed uh, or if you have not uh, shared any of the episodes, those are going to be the episodes to share. If you guys got people that are watching the Dakar or or friends and families are going to be watching the Dakar with or talking about it. Tune in. I'll try and get you guys as much information as I can uh, from the Saudi side. Uh, But that is or going to be the wrap. So for the 15th, Sunday, the 15th of January, stage number 14, the goodbye stage is going to be 84 miles long with 172 miles added on for commuting uh, before or after, depending on that one. Stage 14, according to Castera, easy seaside stage. So nothing really, really... uh, Really standing out on that one other than just some beautiful terrain, according to him, and getting out uh, getting out in front. So I think that this year is going to be definitely challenging. Uh, something they did bring up is 465 total entry or vehicles going to be participating in the event. 170 rookies. That is impressive. I'll say it again. 170 rookies. 170 170 people that have never raced the Dakar will be racing the Dakar this year. That is crazy. And, and that is a huge undertaking uh, for them to decide, you know, hey, this is the event. The American Rally original guys, you know, with the exception of uh, Kyle McCoy, first timers, you know. And I think that that is a very, very big, uh, very, very big challenge, especially signing up for what they're signing up to do. You know, Paul, Mo. Jim, Dave, Kyle, all of those guys, you know, even even with Kyle being a veteran now of, of going to the Dakar uh, still, you know, there's a lot to it. And then it's a curveball, right? So they're talking longer, you know, more race miles, longer days, you know, a couple more days, this whole empty quarter thing going into the empty quarter and coming out of it, you know, all these sand dudes, all these things, you know, I think that this is a very going to be a very challenging Dakar for a lot of competitors, obviously. I mean, it's and that's just like. I don't know that it's like it goes without say, but I just have a feeling that this is going to be a little bit extra for these guys. So we'll see. I mean, there there's going to be a lot. You know, I'm I'm looking forward to covering it. I'm I got to kind of come up with a rhythm here because as usual, uh, we're asleep, they're racing, and we wake up, and the day's already been decided. So I think that that's going to be a tough one to do, but we will uh, we will do our best and and follow along with it. So let's check in on our. Yes, to it in. I think he's he's busy out training with boys, so I'm not going to uh, not going to interrupt that one. But yeah, so I don't know. What do you guys think? I think uh, I think this year is going to be interesting. We have got a lot of Americans headed out over there. A total of eleven uh, for this year, which is crazy. Absolutely looking forward to seeing that one. And I think that um, I I think we got some uh, we got some shots. You know. Uh, Skylar house was on, uh, one of the, uh, when they were talking about it on the preview show, right? He's one of the guys, one of the guys that put his hat in the ring for that top podium spot, you know? And so I think that this is going to be, um, I, I think it's going to be a good year. You know, I think these guys are going to be good. You know, Mason Klein, uh, in, in the conversation that I had with him a couple of weeks ago was very, very focused. He knew what he needed to do. He knew what he needed to do from the day after the Dakar, and and what he wanted to work on and has been working on that and so i think that uh that's going to be i mean if he was able to do what he did last year what he's going to do this year i think is going to be huge as well so i'm looking forward to seeing that as well uh seeing that one unfold um i'm looking forward to seeing our boys from the american rally originals get out in there and and work together you know in in a individual sport that you can work together in uh in some instances um, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing those guys get out there as well and get it done and, and, and work together. You know, I want to see all five of those guys cross the line. I don't think there would be anything more emotional and absolutely amazing for the sport of rally here stateside than to watch all of those guys take the stage uh, at the end. I, I just think that would absolutely be huge. So 
uh, hoping those guys are, are going to have a good race and, uh, and, a, and a great adventure. I think they're hoping they're going to have a good adventure and a great race. I don't know. I don't know. How, how would you say that? I don't know. All right. Anyway. All right. That is a wrap for episode number 93 of the Chasing Waypoints podcast. I want to thank everybody that's been tuning in for that one. I'm sorry about the two weeks MIA. It's been a little bit rough trying to get used to the, the new schedule, uh, working, you know, trying to catch up on this new role. And it's, it's been, uh, it's been some days, but you know what? We're having fun. So episode 93, 94 coming up soon. And then again, we are still working on a couple of other episodes, uh, and namely that episode 100. I'm hoping we'll have uh, some big announcement, uh, for that episode. So if you guys uh, are tuning in, like, subscribe, share, do all of that fun stuff. Uh, and also thank you to everybody that's tuned in. I've got some interesting facts from Spotify. I'll share with you guys later. Or if you have already followed me on Instagram, you would have seen those on there as well. So definitely do not forget to follow us on Instagram. Do not forget to follow us on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Uh, we're on all 10 of them, including Amazon, Google, Rocket, and I, uh, yeah, Spotify, Apple, uh, Google Podcasts. I already said Google Podcasts. I don't know. It's like 10 different channels. So that's all thanks to uh, Anchor. You guys have heard the ad. Uh, Got to do it. But definitely, definitely looking forward to what this next year is going to bring. So with that being said, guys, do not forget. Shiny side up. And uh, yeah. Uh-oh. Caramel the rally dog. All right, that is a wrap for the Chasing Waypoints podcast this week. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you like what you heard. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and a bunch of others. Also, follow us on... Whoa, 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 whoa. wait a minute. I can't do the outro yet. What are you talking about? There's no way I could do the outro. I, I didn't say it. And Elizabeth, I'm sure, would have wrung my neck for it, but I almost missed it. So... With that being said, guys, I hope you guys have a great week. Don't forget, it'll make sense when you get there. Enjoy the ride. All right, that is a wrap for the Chasing Waypoints podcast this week. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you like what you heard. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and a bunch of others. Also, follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook under Chasing Waypoints, Instagram, Chasing Waypoints underscore official, and, of course, the YouTube under Chasing Waypoints. Hope everybody has a good week. We will see you guys for the next episode. Remember, shiny side up, and don't forget to tag us. We want to see where you guys are riding and what you guys are up to. Have a great week. Have a great week.